Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to another episode of How To Be Sound, the podcast where I, journalist and writer Rosemary McCabe, speak to people that I think might be a little bit sounder than I am. If you're not already signed up, you can support How To Be Sound by signing up to my Patreon at patreon.com slash rosemarymccabe with an A in my Mac and you'll get minisodes, you'll get writing, you'll get money diaries, you'll just get so much, you'll be so excited. Today I am joined by fashion designer Claire Garvey, who has had a very interesting couple of weeks. Claire, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Oh, absolute pleasure. Looking forward to it. Not sure what you're going to ask me, but we'll go with it. So about nuclear, nuclear power. <laughs> I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Um, tell me about the last couple of weeks. What, I mean, how would you explain to somebody what has been going on with you? But tell me, tell me your news. Well, I designed for Emer Noon, who was the first female conductor ever of the Oscars Orchestra. So that's been absolutely incredible. Like she found out she was doing it and then she gave me, she rang me about 30 seconds later and said, can you do the outfits for me for the Oscars? And I was like, "Uh, yeah, how long do we have? And she said, well, probably about a week. So it was like panic stations, but like absolutely, there was no way, you know, yes, definitely. So I started it that night. I think I put down my chips and started working on a dress. And then the next day she rang me. And it was exactly what she'd been thinking of as well. So we were kind of had a weird psychic vibe or bond because I'd worked with her before as well. So kind of had an idea what she wanted, you know. And only a week. That's kind of astounding. How like was that? She only found out that she was she was conducting the orchestra the week before. Exactly. She was shortlisted. There were six women shortlisted for the orchestra for the Oscars. Now, most of them would have known people in Hollywood. So she kind of thought... There's no point in me telling anyone. Or, well, I would imagine she thought that because she thought there's no chance. And then the fact that she actually got it. So she was waiting to hear and she found out the week before. So then straight away rang me that night because I think she realised we didn't have much time. But also then she had to find out from the Oscars if she could wear her own clothes because being a conductor of the orchestra, they might want her to wear black or they might want her to be conservative. So that took another few days but I was still working away on it in the hope. And then when we found out she could wear what we w- she wanted, we then had to send another photo. So it was confirmed that she could wear that. So it really was like an exam or something. You know, you were there, you thought you'd got past the first hurdle. And I was like, no, another hurdle and another hurdle. And then even when she went over, I got the day of the um, Oscars wrong. And I thought it was Saturday night. And I looked on her page on Saturday night and she was wearing a black dress and I just thought, oh, my God, she hasn't even worn it, you know. So you're kind of constantly on edge. It's almost worse when you know she's going to wear it. You know, whereas I did Nile Rogers where for the Oscars and I wasn't sure he was going to wear anything of mine. So it was a surprise. But knowing beforehand almost puts a different pressure on you. I also heard the word outfits as in outfits, plural. So you have a week. How many outfits did you make? And can you tell us a bit about them? 
Yeah, it was two outfits for her for the Oscars. So one was for the Oscars green carpet, which was for the Oscar Wilde uh, party. So we could kind of, even though Emer Noon would be, she wouldn't be totally avant-garde or anything, but we could do a corset. We wouldn't have to worry about her arms being able to move because she wasn't conducting. She might have had a few drinks and conducted later, but she didn't have to conduct at this party. She just had to look glamorous. So we did a kind of a red um, leather and kind of rubber corset, kind of sculpted corset. For, I know in a week I'm thinking I'm going to give myself a tap on the back. And, and the people who work with me have been great as well. And a fitted skirt, that kind of red and black fishtail with kind of rubber at the end of it. Because Emer's kind of a strong woman as well. So it's kind of mixing pretty with hard, which is what I love doing. Like I'd wear little skirts, but I'd wear docks with it as well. And the other outfit was for conducting and for the red carpet for the Oscars. So you had to make sure she was able to move her arms. There were constrictions that she had to wear her trousers because she was going to be in the podium. So we couldn't do a huge big skirt or anything like that. It had to fit in the podium. The most important thing, as I've said before, is that she could conduct in it. So we really concentrated on the top half of it and kind of did a gold kind of armour warrior piece all hand embroidered in leather and lace with stretchy arms I kept lifting up and down and I kept putting it on myself I looked like I was doing the birdie song or something lifting the arms up to make sure because she really gives everything when she conducts so that was the main aim and that's why she had a plainer trouser and there was a big long train at the back of it but that could sit in the podium no problem we had that all sorted out so I'm I'm sure you've been doing a lot of talking about the Oscars um, over the past couple of weeks, but obviously this isn't the beginning of your career. Can you tell me a little bit about your background and, and I guess how you kind of got to this point? Um, I studied fashion in the National College of Art. So I did, fi- I think it was a five-year course then. I did five years there and then I finished that and I went, God, I'm finished college. What the hell am I going to do now? And I saw an advert for um, to do a master's in Russia in costume design. So I thought, look, I'll apply for that anyway. I'd never left home before and said, look, I won't get it, you know, because it was sponsored and you wouldn't have to pay for it or anything. But I got it and then I went, oh, sugar. (laughs) Right, now, I I think I was going out with somebody quite for a long time at that stage anyway. But So I went off to Russia then. They gave us six weeks uh, Russian lessons beforehand. So then I went to Russia and it was like a kind of uh, a college that had clowns, costume designers, um, makeup artists, um, stage sets. It was every kind of form of uh, theatre and costume, which was amazing that you collaborated with the set designers. You got to see the ballets and all sorts of things like that. So I was there for a year and a half and then I came back to Ireland And again, I went, oh, dear, now I've got my master's. What am I going to do now again? So I applied for a grant with the Fingal Enterprise Board. And they, for a year, helped me mentor. They mentored me for a year to get my head around setting up my own business because it was very airy-fairy. I loved creating, but I hadn't a clue about, you know, business and about employing people and about all accounting and that. And after a year then... I applied for the grant and I got it for to employ somebody and to help set up the premises and get a machine. And I set up initially up above Cornucopia in Wicklow Street 
and then started supplying the design centre and shops from there. Wow, and, and, and so now you're in a studio on Cows Lane, and how long have you been in this studio for? I've been here 20 years now, so I finally bought it last year. So it's actually my shop now, and it just shows you, like, people... When I started out here, people thought there's no way a fashion designer can survive in Dublin just doing their own pieces and just working on their own pieces. But I was able to buy this shop myself from everything from the last 19 years. So it's now, it's mine and it's great. I have a a second home here. So, you know, if you believe in yourself and do what you love doing, it does come through in the end. You know, just don't listen to too many people saying no. I was going to say, actually, we lose so much of our creative talent in Ireland to New York and London. And especially coming from you studied in Russia. What made you think when you came back, OK, I'm going to try and make it work here? And was that a difficult decision to make rather than to think I'll go to Milan, I'll go to Paris, I'll go to London? It was difficult in a way, but it was easier. I almost thought if I went to Milan or I went to Paris and I worked for somebody that I would be so used to getting a wage and so dependent on that, that actually I possibly might never start off on my own then, that you you become used to a certain set of ways so that almost the naivety of actually starting out on your own and not working for somebody else was better because I wasn't used to having a wage. So bit by bit, I was building that up. I wasn't letting go of something that I never had. And I also, I love Dublin. Like I loved Russia as well because they, they love drinking in Russia as well. So, you know. Not that that's the only reason. The culture was beautiful there. It was even nicer with a few drinks. But, uh, you know, I love Dublin and I really... And also, the shop kind of came about... Things that have happened in my life have kind of come about in weird ways. I just came across the possibility of, you know, they were doing... The shops on Cows Lane were being subsidised at the time, at the very start, to bring creative people into this quarter. And I applied again. It was the same sort of thing. Didn't think I would... I sort of applied for things like as a, like a little lottery and thought if if I get it then I'll go down that route. And when I got it, I yeah, I was nervous and I was also nervous about dealing with customers because I'd be quite a shy person and I supplying shops is an entirely different thing than meeting customers every day and dealing dealing with them. So it was completely new to me and you learn to adapt as you go along. I mean, it's absolute best decision I've ever made and when you get the money it's your money and you're not chasing shops which happened before you have sale or return or they buy and you don't even know when you're getting the money so this way you're controlling it all you know which is or my husband who's an accountant controls a lot of it as well which is handy I I often think all creative people should marry an accountant oh definitely the up and opposites really attract as well so um no we're we're brilliant together you know we've been together 20 years now married 20 years as well so wow so you got the shop and the husband in the same year Uh, everything happened in the same year yeah I don't know I must have been on a roll that year so tell me a bit about your designs I saw on your website that you do a lot of custom designs I'm sitting next to the most incredible wedding dress do you supply shops anymore and do kind of bulk items or are you do you literally just work on on one-offs I don't supply shops because I made a conscious decision as I said, to have the money, to have control over my own business. I much prefer working with people and creating one-offs. I used to, I mean, I used to supply Liberty of London and I found doing mini mass production, I did kind of Celtic tunics and pieces like that and I didn't find it was as rewarding for me 
And also, I never realised how much how rewarding it is to meet people and to hear their stories and to see them going out happy. And if they're not happy, to be sitting there late at night thinking, what can I do to make them happy? It's it's an obsession and it's... But no, I just love having my own business and doing personal commissions. I mean, we rent out a lot of pieces to photographers and we rent to hair shows and hair shows also buy stuff as well. We do a lot of pieces for video shoots and mm. I love doing things for musicians and performers and that's really my love, you know, and Dancing with the Stars. I mean, Julian Benson's a Liberace and, you know, the more glitter, the better. So You're obviously in a, in a kind of unique position because you're within the fashion industry, but also not governed by the same rules in terms of like footfall and in terms of people's disposable income because what you do is very unique and one off. Have you noticed, like, did the recession affect you in the same way that it would have affected kind of fast fashion businesses, if you know what I mean? Uh, definitely. I mean, I think, what, 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, I had, I came to like a halt and here there was people not coming in, ordering pieces. And I was like, what do I have to do to change that? Like, you either give up or you adapt and you change. So I started doing wedding dresses and that's when I started doing wedding dresses and wedding fairs and going to wedding fairs. It, I love doing that, but it wouldn't be my absolute love. But at the time, it turned around my business again. And you've constantly got to think of ways of turning around, like we do pieces for Burning Man now and in Nevada Desert for men and, you know, women as well. So you've got to constantly think, what angle can I adapt but still keep myself in? And I, for about five to six years, that really brought me up in the... When the recession was hitting, that helped me because there's always brides, especially in recession, people always want a happy moment. And also now we do same-sex weddings and we do pagan weddings and we do second-time weddings as well. So that's another revenue that you just have to keep changing. You can't say, oh, this is what I do and I'm not going to do anything else. You say, this is what I do, but I can do that in my own way as well. So you put your own stamp on everything you do. I mean, I do children's wear as well and I've done Debs and Holy Communions and things which have, in times of recession or in times when you you need money, you need money to constantly be coming in, that they're great little pieces to do as well, you know? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear anecdotally that things like weddings and communions, people kept spending even through the recession. So that's obviously something that's really important for a business like yours. Oh, totally. And people... It would be the prime thing. People would save up for a communion or a wedding. This would be the only... I mean, people spend ri ridiculous money on, on things like that. I mean, I have a son and, you know, I was thinking if I have a daughter, God, would I spend that amount of money on a communion? But for some people, it's such an event and it's such a personal thing. They'd rather have that than maybe have a holiday or something. And my job is then to make them feel as magical and as special as if they're going to pay me for something, they have to have something that is going to bring them happiness and memories, you know. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And what's the most unusual commission you've ever received? God, every every commission. I mean, we 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 did a wedding dress out of chili peppers. Um, we met the bride met the wed hot chili peppers. <laughs> good I, I should have thought of that at the time you're on a roll so like I'll just let you talk you're you're better than me um yeah uh, she met her husband in Chile and she came to the shop and she said I think you know I'm looking for something a bit different and we kind of discussed it and we thought what about putting dried chili peppers on the bodice of the dress she was quite an organic person excuse the pun there as well with the <laughs> but um I had fresh chilies and I had to cut them and dry them and my eyes were like streaming down as I was doing it. Most painful thing I've ever done at the time, but apart from childbirth since then. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that was and she arrived on a motorcycle. We also did another one where uh, Cuckoo, this television series Cuckoo, was nominated for an award in Vegas and the girl wanted um, an interesting bodice and we made the bodice out of cocktail stirrers. And we had a straw in it as well. So they actually won and she was able to sip her cocktail out of her bodice as well. So it was quite good for Vegas. <laughs> a lot of your designs and the way you're describing them as well is obviously very theatrical. What was your design style like before you went to Russia? Because obviously that was a very emphasis on theatre and performance. Like, was that a huge influence or were you already kind of going down that route, if you know what I mean? I think I've already, I was already, I mean, I remember in college, I won the Smyrniff Young Designer of the Year and I wasn't great at sewing in college. I've always been very good at adapting. So when I was in college, I developed techniques of embroidery, layers and layers of embroidery. So it was very hard to see the stitches. So it was literally piles and piles of texture. And I became fascinated with this. I mean, my pattern cutting tutor used to go mad when he'd come in to try and find the stitches in between all these textural pieces so I think when I won the Smyrna Young design it was 19 god 1991 but that was all burnt fabric I became obsessed with grilling fabrics and I think I set the fire alarm off so many times at home and you know the 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 hats were big wired hats so I it was always but having said that when you when I supplied shops like the Power Design Centre, Powerscoat Design Centre, I was in there for, I don't know, 15, 10, 15 years. There was, a, there was a slight, like you couldn't obviously bring in the most dramatic stuff, but I always had a, a, an element of me. And I suppose since I started the shop and realised that people are looking for something more different, it's been my dream because I'm able to do that now without having to worry about shops restraint and worry about things selling you know because yeah. people who come here want to be a tree or they want to be we we did a doll like a girl who wanted going to a 21st and she wanted to be a ballerina with a big key in her back you wouldn't get that in the design center you, yeah. you have to so you adapt to whatever and having the shop was the best move because it actually allowed me to be as free as I wanted 
And so do your designs, like does your design aesthetic change in terms of like to go with trends or do you really feel like your designs stand apart from that whole aspect of the industry, if you know what I mean? I don't get trends. I think it's a load of rubbish. Like if somebody is a certain shape, a size, you have an idea of what suits you. It, you do, uh, Personally, I don't get the idea of suddenly somebody who's... A, a size 16 has to go around in little shorts and a boob tube because that's what's in. You wear what suits you, what you what feels comfortable in you. I, I don't also get spring, summer, autumn, winter. Myself, I do all seasons, all year round. And I think people d- should dress for what suits them and not look at trends. And it's it's almost a marketing ploy from magazine. I mean, I don't want to say you're a fashion writer as well and stuff, but I often feel that it is and I think it's more about the person a person comes in they should look beautiful and not be worried about oh black isn't in or you can't wear black and blue or you can't who cares you can wear whatever you like and there's no age restriction on things either that drives me up the wall as well if you want to wear a little short dress and you're 60 so what if you want to wear something avant-garde it's up to you and it's your personal choice and if it makes you feel good I often think that there should be um uh differentiation between the fashion industry and the shopping industry because like you said I used to write about fashion and then and then I think at a certain point I realized I was just writing about shopping I wasn't writing about the industry I wasn't writing about design techniques it was literally just about here are the things that you can go out and buy tomorrow for a fiber yeah yeah but you see this is it it should be more I, I don't know as I as I said since I opened the shop and I started dealing with customers and also I've been three stone heavier than I am now I've been three stone lighter so I've also found my own self, it's quite interesting to see what clothes you wear when you're different sizes. If you're bigger, you, you generally would like something to cover your arms or whatever, but you don't need to wear a big sack, which a lot of people, they put people in as well. Your hair doesn't need to be short when you're 50. You know, you don't have to get tongued. There are no rules in fashion. Fashion should be there to be enjoyed. And everybody, women are the worst critics of each other. I mean, women should be there saying, look, that's great. You look well in it. You're you're not doing it for anybody else. You should be doing it for yourself. And I don't even have a pair of jeans. I've never, I just find them uncomfortable. And what I wear is what I feel comfortable in. And I'll be wearing this, something similar till I'm 90 or 100 because it's what I feel nice in. Yeah. I mean, I think the acid test is I wear jeans all the time, but as soon as I get home, I take them off and put on leggings. Yeah, like yeah. jeans are just a vessel for me to be able to wear runners. But that's but you but you like you know that that's brilliant. You like wearing jeans. It's, you know it's yeah. it's whatever you genuinely feel comfortable with. Like if you put you, if we swapped clothes, we'd probably feel uncomfortable because it's not us. Do you do you know what I mean? It, um, <laughs> if we swapped clothes, I would feel amazing. Just to be clear, Claire's wearing the most incredible dress and this in, in amazing headpiece. That I'm literally going, if I swapped clothes at you, I would be living my best life. I'd be going out to dinner. I'd be like having the best time. Um, the kind of last thing that I wanted to to touch on with you is um, sustainability is obviously a massive buzzword in, in all industries, not just fashion. Is that something that you think about more as you're designing now? Or, or is it something that it's that is possible to take into account when you're designing on this kind of scale? It's very funny because I've probably done sustainability for years and it's become a buzzword now, whereas years ago people would kind of look down at, or if you've used, you have to call it vintage fabrics as well, if you've used vintage buttons or... I love finding vintage or secondhand buttons and 
old lace and mixing it with other fabrics and things. And I hope it's not a trend where people are getting on the bandwagon now and saying, oh, I'm wearing this three times around or and well done you or I found this in a vintage shop. It should always be the way. I mean, I if I'm working on an outfit, like we do wedding dresses and people bring back the wedding dresses and we make them into christening gowns for their little child. And then we also, that one of the women we did that for brought it back in again and the rest of it we made into the uh, communion dress for the little girl then. So there's, you shouldn't be so precious about clothes. If, and also having it made in Ireland is very important to me. We make all this stuff here. We collect buttons and vintage pieces and mix it with fabrics. And I think sustainability should have always been important and it should, hopefully, as I said, it's not a fad. And people, everybody should get on board with it. There's nothing, it's beautiful to use fabrics that have have had a life as well and create something new out of them and mix them with something else. But honestly, only in the last few years has that even been considered acceptable. And now it's, people are getting around, you know, it's great, well done, you know, so... Yeah. Um, my mom, my mom made her wedding dress, actually, and it was this incredible kind of pink silk and taffeta dress. And then when she had us, myself, and my sister, uh, she let us use it in our dress up box and then we dyed it black and it turned into a witch's dress. And people were <laughs> horrified. But I think my mom was like, well, it's a dress and now you get to really enjoy it. Although then once we got old enough, I think we were both a bit horrified. <laughs> That we were like, oh, we could have this incredible dress and now we have this witch's costume. But you gave, you gave it a, a different life. I don't even have my wedding dress now. I mean, I've cut it up and used it for different things. It, that People might be horrified with that. We actually moved into a house when, just quickly when, when I was designing my dress and we moved into a house and there were like these chandeliers. It was like old chandeliers that were left there. And I was sitting there looking and I thought they'd be lovely on my bodice for my wedding dress. So... One day, my husband-to-be came back and all the chandelier bits were gone. And he said, where, where are the lights gone? Like, And there I was then on wedding day, chinking up the aisle with my chandeliers on me. So everything deserves a new lease of life. And you, the amount of joy you had wearing that witch's costume should be celebrated rather than thinking, oh, if I'd kept this, you probably would never have worn it as a wedding dress anyway. People who keep things in little precious boxes are there to be enjoyed and lived and celebrated, you know. Um, I know I said lastly about 10 minutes ago, but actually (laughs) lastly, the Oscars has obviously been like really big news for you in terms of press. Do those kind of things translate into footfall and business or is it just a really nice moment? Well, I did Nile Rogers for the Oscars five years ago as well. So we did two outfits for him for the Oscars. What it does more than footfall is it validates you as a designer to people. Not that you need validation, but it's, it is nice when there's people who look at you and they can, they can say then, well, yeah, no, fair enough. She's done this, she's done that. And it also gives you a confidence in yourself that maybe you mightn't have otherwise. So from that confidence it actually does generate into sales because you become more confident. You you sell yourself in a way you're able to say, well, I've done this for the Oscars. People take you more seriously. And you it does generate, but it's not from the actual press of it. It's actually how you change as well and evolve and the validation that other people put on you. I mean, it's ridiculous that an Oscar should make a difference or that usually it's something that happens abroad makes a, diff- a difference here, which is a bit sad as well. I mean, I think longevity should be the thing, like for somebody to survive in Ireland and 
work regardless of whether they do mass production, regardless of whatever they do, sustainable fashion or that should be applauded rather than I find fashion shops are more impressed with clothes that are from abroad or, you know, the big names who are probably very unethical and very non-sustainable, you know. So mm. people who have lasted in fashion, that's what should be. But it is a great, it's a great moment to have the Oscars and it does make you feel you're on the right path and you have people who support you and buy your pieces. Yeah. Claire, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Where can people look at your work or get in touch with you if they want to know more? Um, I'm on, probably Instagram is my best. I uh, Claire Garvey designer on Instagram. You can look at my website, but I am doing a new website because somebody was saying to me on my website, I had um, weddings and debts as opposed to weddings and debts. So I've changed that now. So there's no debts. I can clearly say there's no de- But I am actually doing a new website. But it's Claire Garvey, www.clairegarvey.com. And if, if it still says debts, just get back to me and I'll, I'll reimburse everybody. <laughs> no. Well, weddings and debts is probably right. Um, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to How To Be Sound. If you'd like to get in touch with me, I'm at Rosemary McCabe with an A on my Mac on all social media. My website is rosemarymccabe.com. And as mentioned, I would love if you would sign up to my Patreon, patreon.com slash rosemarymccabe. And I will catch you next time. How To Be Sound is part of The Warren, the home of great Irish podcasts, as is my podcast, Science Drops. You can find more great shows at thewarren.ie. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.